On today's episode of the Nifty Nick Show, I am thrilled to have on an OG NFT creator. Nate Alex, as he's known in the crypto metaverse, is known for the creation of the on-chain project squiggly.wtf, Chain Faces, and is co-founder of NFT42, the company behind Avastars and Nameless. The show's all about learning from those with skin in the game in the world of NFTs, and as usual, today's guest is no exception, so let's get started. If you're looking for some crypto, you just found the right spot. We wrap it up, one of a kind, NFT straight to the top. Now don't go trading based on comments, we provide in this show. It's not investment advice, but our picks do tend to blow up. Like a rocket, they say. Many people have compared it to beeples every day. So if you're trying to figure out what's going on in this space, please do not worry. Your boy Nifty Nick is hot on the case. All right. We're back this time with Nate Alex. Nate, how's it going? Going good. Uh, Thanks for having me on, Nick. Yeah, I'm really glad to have you. Um, So I thought maybe we could like kick things off by discussing... Uh, how you first got into this space. My understanding is uh, you do have a background in somewhat in engineering, uh, but that's about all I know. Uh, so you want to discuss how you got into crypto in the first place? Yeah. So um, I would say it's probably the same way as pretty much everybody has gotten started uh, for the most part. And that's, you know, it starts getting some like media attention and you just start seeing some articles and like for me, it started back in 2017. Uh, it was something that me and a coworker would, you know, we'd talk about. We we were you know hearing about Bitcoin, and and it was just kind of fascinating to us to like kind of track how it was just perpetually going up. It seemed like it, it's hard for me to put myself in those shoes anymore with like the the total noob shoes of like not even understanding anything about markets or or anything that I've you know come to learn over the years, but. Yeah, initially it was just a way for me to, um, or, or what I thought it would be a way for me to like earn some extra cash on top of you know the job that I was already uh, doing, and then it turned into NFTs like a few months after that when CryptoKitties started having like hundred thousand dollar sales, and and it just it just really like captured my wildest imagination to think, holy shit, like I can. I can flip pictures of digital cats for for you know more than my salary. Like this is insane. Um, so that was kind of the draw for me, and and I would say that's why I think it's kind of similar to probably what most people have experienced with their like initial draw into crypto. And so that was the Crypto Kitties stuff. That was I'm guessing in 2017. Yes. Yeah. That was uh, December December 2017. Um, was well, I guess actually it technically launched the the very end of November 2017, but I, I found out about it in December. You know, I didn't have a lot of money to play with, so I started with like $100, and which was like 0.1 Ether at the time. Or actually it was maybe a little bit more than that. Um, and, and, you know, I, I pretty much spent it all, bred some cats, and, and was zeroed out. But I just didn't really give up, which I imagine was a lot of people's experience with it um, because I just wanted to figure out what it was that like drove people to pay sort of what seemed like just outrageous amounts. I mean like right now you know 2021 um, there's been a number of NFTs uh, over a million dollars and so a hundred thousand dollars isn't that spectacular anymore but back in 2017 it was just I mean it was absurd like (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, I, well, 2017 was crazy in general. The uh, overall, the ICO market was also, uh, honestly, the main uh, point of attention, I feel like, in the crypto space. While uh, CryptoKitties had come out and it, it, it sort of seemed like, oh, this destroyed the Ethereum network for a period of time. This isn't ready for prime time. At least that was my hot take at that point in time, which was a horrible take. Turned out to be a bad one. Uh, but I... I yeah, I feel like there's a there's a smaller group of people who ended up saying, oh, this seems interesting. So I'm wondering, okay, you bought a CryptoKitty or something like that. What was the next step to actually, did you decide to start learning how to uh, code Solidity or like what, what was the next step towards your eventual uh, domination of the world of NFTs? <laughs> yeah, um, so I guess, you know, actually it wasn't and really... What it was for me, honestly, was years of learning, which is the piece that I think a lot of people will struggle. So let's just say, you know, if things were to get tough now, let's just hypothetically say if, if uh, the NFT market is currently reached peak saturation or the crypto market itself has reached that sort of saturation level um, and things were to get tough, a lot of people would struggle to continue to learn and continue to, to build on, you know, this initial interest that they have. Well, like for me, um, you know, I don't know if it was out of boredom of the, the old job that I used to have or, or whatever, but it just, I just thought this space was so fascinating. And I expect that there will be a lot of people that are in a similar boat. Um, for me, it was just like the drive to like learn as much as I could um, about this space. So um and really you know to be honest it mostly stayed contained to crypto kitties for well over a year even i, I didn't really dabble i think I, I bought like some axes and I, I dabbled in some other dApps lightly uh, but as far as like tools and development stuff um it was mostly like i was trying to build like crypto kitties tools and trying to tie them into you know you know, pulling information from con the contracts that were on chain and like making these uh, Google Sheet tools. And um, that was really where it started for me. I wasn't even thinking about like, how can I make some money out of this? It, it became just sort of a genuine like interest and passion. Um, and, and I built a couple free like crappy tools, if I'm being honest, and just kind of did that throughout 2018. But I continued to really like dive into the community and you know, spend hours a day talking to uh, other people who are interested in this space. And 2019, you know, was another tough crypto year. And that was when I, you know, kind of branched out a little bit more, started exploring some more like games, um, some other networks like Tron, um, and just like kind of getting a real feel for the overall just crypto landscape, which I think extends I mean, now, I mean, like the big pieces, at least on Ethereum, you know, DeFi and NFTs, um, you know, and, and trading is obviously such a huge part of, of the market. But I think that that was like just my exploration of the entire space was kind of the, the 2019 thing. And, and I really didn't circle into trying to figure out how to do development until uh, closer to the end of 2019. Um, and I wasn't very good at it. I did the I did the crypto zombies tutorial, which somebody had recommended. Um, didn't get a lot out of it. Like I, I did the whole thing or whatever. 
didn't really know what the hell I was doing. And, um, you know, I had some friends that had done some coding. They were like Solidity experts, hackers, and it was just some guys that I had met. And they were able to sort of help me figure out some things when I tried to make my first project at the end of 2019, which, which I never even launched. I I have this thing, I've actually probably built three or four projects that never have been launched because I just just don't get them to where I want them to be and just can't uh, commit to like revealing them to people. <laughs> but yeah, so that was how it, that's how it started. And I kind of gave up until I circled back with Chain Faces, which kind of the irony is how simple and um, I hate to say low effort, but how just low the barrier was on that project as a whole. Um, and even though I'm saying that, you know, I've pulled other projects for, for other reasons for not being good enough. So it was, that was kind of a special one to like, just where I just like created something. I thought this is cool. This is simple. It's ultra cheap. Um, you know, so maybe it's fine. Like, you know, at the time I think chain faces in the initial sale were going for like, maybe it was like a dollar, I think is about what they were. So, you know, compared to now where you get a new NFT project, it seems like everybody wants to charge at least $300 per NFT. And then they want to sell 10,000 NFTs and like, they want to make a million, $3 million or some shit. Like, like, <laughs> like I wasn't trying to target those kind of crazy numbers. So that's why I think I felt a little more okay with, with chain faces anyways. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Chain Faces is really just a generative project that's inspired by some of the uh, predecessors to it, which were on-chain um, on-chain NFT projects, where essentially the art is actually generated in the Solidity code. In this case, the Chain Faces were made up of ASCII characters to generate random faces, right? And that was... Um, how many of them? Like, is it a thousand? I, I don't, I don't know the exact number. Yeah, it's uh, so it's ten thousand. It was kind of so like I, I was sort of already at this point, kind of becoming enamored with like CryptoPunks and the Larva Labs team, what they had done with Autoglyphs, um, and like I, I kind of thought of Chain Faces as sort of a uh, hybrid. I, I mean, obviously, you know, more simple, but kind of a hybrid of the two projects where you had five pieces of the face and they from on-chain RNG would be assembled, um, you know, it would, it would select or randomly select the left side of the face, the left eye, the mouth, the right eye, the right side of the face. Um, and that was all, uh, you know, random hap happening. And then, but the other piece was um, just the, the 10,000 faces that were generative. So, you know, I, I thought of it, a little bit the way that the contract is built anyways is reminding me of what a hybrid of punks and, and glyphs would have been um and you know at the time I, I wish that i had realized you know based on the odds and stuff how many would have came out at the kind of the bottom of the scale and how boring that would have been to have so many faces that were the most commons kind of look the same uh, versus something like punks where there's so many different attributes even if you have commons, you know, attributes coming out, then there can be enough, um, you know, combination that kind of makes it a little more unique. I, I despite the, the simplicity of it, I still think it's a great implementation and it just is a great opportunity uh, for you to have learned solidity and also monetize a project, uh, which, 
you know, uh, it, it's easy to look at some of these projects and say, wow, the, the barrier to entry there is so low or wow, these are so basic. But the reality is, is like, if no one else is doing it at that point in time, it actually is unique. And uh, it, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great opportunity to hop in. So, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see there being anything uh, wrong with that. From um, Chain Faces, you, you made these projects. What? How did you get started with NFT42? Like, where did, what did that come out of? And what, when did that actually start? So that was sort of, uh, so, so I've known Jim since the CryptoKitties days. Um, I guess, you know, Jim was around in early 2017. I didn't really join Discord until probably the middle of 2018. Um, and I, I've said it on my Twitter a number of times, like if you're in this space and you're really interested in NFTs, you, you really, Twitter is good, but you really need to be on Discord because that sort of real-time conversation, the amount of information that you can just absorb and understand in a short time in a group chat, um, you know, and obviously the more people that come in, the more noise there is, but there was a time where you just would, you could get on Discord, you could go to, it used to be, let's say the CryptoKitties chat, whereas now maybe the Punks chat has a lot of uh, people who are very knowledgeable. It has you know, constant conversations about the whole landscape and, and NFTs in general. Um, but yeah, so anyways, when I joined Discord in the middle of 2018, um, you know, I was just, I just thought it was so interesting to like talk to people about the stuff that I was really passionate and really interested in. Um, and Jim was, he was in the CryptoKitties channel. Uh, he was, I think he was already a moderator at the time, but because of how active I was, I got added to the moderator group in CryptoKitties. So I got to know Jim that way. Um, we had sort of uh, our own little group with a handful of like CryptoKitties collectors. And we, you know, would talk about other stuff outside of just, you know, general chat stuff. And, you know, so I, I just had that relationship with him for, you know, maybe I guess a year and a half before I was like looking to make a move in this space. So Jim was looking to build this company. He had already been working on Avastars um, and I was looking to make a move into the space. And he, you know, sort of said I could, I could come work for him and I could come um, start, start building really what is, was the first revision of Nameless now, I guess is, is the way to think about it. Yeah, I mean, that's really how it started. That started back uh, March and April of last year. I, I talked to the Arweave team back then. I got to set up as like a boost, a boost partner with them. And this was really early in the Arweave stages. They, they weren't even thinking about NFTs at the time. Um, and that was kind of, was like the first thing that I did uh, with NFT42 and, and where um, you know, Rizzle, uh, Ryan, and, and myself, and we had we both kind of joined in the spring of 2020, even though Jim had been running it with Cliff for, I guess, about five or six months before that, um, maybe a little bit longer, that he was building Avastars with Cliff, um, and then he hired us to sort of like be the pillars of like building out the other, the other pieces of NFT42. So NFT 42 today, that uh, it, 
that's essentially is nameless the main platform that you all are building at this point and uh to set that up uh, i i just want to specify what that is my understanding is nft 42 is a way to build essentially your own nft project it's kind of like a shopify or something like that although uh for for the most part it seems like a very project centric one example of one that was just created was vfriends uh, you've worked with it, a bunch of other projects, including uh, Pranksy's NFT boxes, I guess. Um, and there's a number of others. But is, is that the, the correct understanding of what it is? Yes. Yeah. So I'm, really, the idea is to just lower the barrier for uh, creatives to be able to make their own NFTs. And I mean, we, we already have a number of platforms. So um, the thing that I think kind of sets us aside, or at least yeah, depending on if you care about it or not, the thing that we are really trying to emphasize is sort of the storage of NFTs. The, uh, um, you know, we've explored a few different models and we are still, the reason that we haven't launched like a new official public thing is because it's it just has been iterative the whole time. So we did uh, the Joy Toys contract in December. We did NFT boxes in January um be friends and, and they've, it just has been a constantly evolving uh process as we try to figure out how do we provide all these features for all these ideas that we have for um you know ev everyone in a way that is not in a way that kind of distinguishes what we have to offer versus you know you know um th there are just so many other ones so you know i mean one of the things that old OpenSea contracts used to do is they had sort of the artist uh, contract concept. Um, I, I believe, I, I mean, there's a few other ones that have this as well, but you know, something like super rare, every token that's minted is on the super rare contract. So it's not really your own branding. Um, whereas what we're really trying to do is have it where it is your own brand, where like nameless is just gonna be down in the bottom of your webpage and it says, powered by Nameless. The idea is that you could come, you uh, create your artist contract, you mint your tokens, and the whole web page would be spun up for you and it would just be your own brand and you wouldn't have your NFTs next to um, X Copies NFTs or Paris Hilton's NFTs on you know the super rare contract or whatever. It would be really your own brand experience, which I think which we think at least is sort of the direction that at least big IP is is going to want to go. Um, you know, this is from talking to a bunch of them and trying to like figure out what is the right really move forward. I mean, right now everybody will just create on anything because that's what they have to do. Um, but I think that's really been our play at least. Yeah, which makes a ton of sense. I mean, the race right now is really to capture as much of the IP market because they're looking for opportunities right now uh, and they're going to move in uh, quickly uh, and select vendors that they work with, et cetera. Um, and I think there's, you know, we're so early still that I think there's going to be a lot of different incarnations of this because it feels like the internet days where you were telling someone to set up a web page. Uh, this is the same thing with setting up an NFT project. There's a lot of different ways to do it and a lot of different platforms on which you can build. Uh, and so, I mean, at that point in time, CRMs didn't really exist uh, early on. 
uh, like WordPress did not exist. None of those. I guess you had GeoCities, uh, which would have been the the equivalent. Um, but for the most part, you were building. You had website builders or page builders and things like that. Was kind of what you did. Dreamweaver and uh, Dreamweaver came later. But anyways, um, the, the the main point is. I, it's still an exploration process, so I don't think there's going to be just one uh, one player in that space. One question, though, that uh, comes up, you were talking about focusing on storage, and you mentioned AR Weave. That's one that I've checked out that seems to have been repeated by primarily developers that I'm looking at in the NFT space. They keep pointing at that. A lot of people are like, oh, IPFS uh, in general kind of sucks. Um, the Filecoin, some of these other things—they're not—they're not showing up as the primary example. What what did you mean when you were discussing storage? Is that what you were referring to? Was AR Weave, and what, uh, is that what you're using today? So, um, you know, yes would be, I guess, like the shortest answer. And we've we have we've messed around with IPFS as well. And I actually have, at least when we first um, you know started this exploration, like I had thought. Uh, IPFS, actually both of us, Jim and I, both had kind of thought IPFS maybe wasn't enough. And, and I've really came around a little bit against that and started to think it, it is actually a pretty well thought out solution. Um, you know, when they figure out, because the way that the hash is calculated from a file, it, it will always yield the same hash. So, you know, if they figure out a way to store this on a blockchain, file, coin, or whatever infrastructure that they end up building for this, they at least can retroactively add it to a blockchain. But but at the time, we had this sort of vision for we want everything to be on a blockchain, even if it isn't necessarily on Ethereum. Um, so like Infinity originally had uh, metadata was on the chain. I um, mean, this was something that was still pretty new. A lot of people had kind of, or really everybody had mostly shied away from this, especially if it was like, uh, like an art NFT, um, because the gas costs and, you know, when kind of what happened also when we sort of like created this product and like launched it, gas started going up from being five to 50 and 60 and 70. And this was, you know, the middle of last year. Um, and it became sort of at a point where we're like, ah, I just, we just don't know that this is going to be like the future. Like we, we need to figure something else out. We need to figure out how to, cause you know, it, you just can't expect like a new person to come in and spend one ether deploying a contract and then spending 0.2 ether to mint 10 pieces or, or it just is gets prohibitive, especially if ether is $3,000. So, um, yeah, but with the storage, you know, the kind of the idea was to like get metadata on the chain for composable reasons, um, as well as, you know, like long-term storage. And then the other thing was we were using IPFS and Rweave for the file. So kind of the idea was like, if Rweave folds, we've got IPFS, which everybody else has too. So then, you know, maybe it was all for nothing, but if IPF, fast folds, then we still have our weave and everybody else is screwed and we're still good. We can take that, we can put it on a different storage solution and we still have that redundancy. We can live forever is sort of um, the angle that we were trying to to hit with that. Yeah, I think, you know, and with, uh, I was poking around at the IPFS stuff myself. I noticed that Cloudflare has their own 
um, at least CDN or something, I think is my understanding of IPFS. And if they're actually supporting that, well, I'm pretty confident that there's going to always be an endpoint. I mean, I guess you can't say that it's always perpetually going to be present. Theoretically, they could fold. Theoretically, anybody can fold, uh, including Amazon, theoretically. Uh, or do I think they're going to? P probably not. Uh, at least they won't in my lifetime. Um, but I, I do think that uh, the whole, uh, w whichever one you use, it matters actually less, I feel like, as long as you can recreate it. Uh, I spoke with um, Eric or Snowfro from um, Artblocks, and he was discussing his implementation. You know, all of that stuff is primarily generated with JavaScript. Uh, the contract just points back to, just says the number or stores a hash essentially with it. And then that's used to generate stuff. I don't know if the average consumer gives a crap. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I no. I hundred percent agree with you. And you know, maybe that's uh, the wrong public message for me to send. But no, I, I totally agree that we. Um, I I wouldn't say that necessarily our implementation is the only implementation that makes sense by any means. It's more of a you have an option to do it this way if you want to, and, and you know when we were kind of designing this and thinking about it, it was before, uh, you know, Snowfro had finished with art blocks and his implementation was just super clean. Like I, I love, you know, the idea to just, cause like what's important to me is the same thing, I guess it, it, that was important to him, which was, you know, at least somebody can recreate it from the information that's left behind with or without you you know, maybe we're going to be here forever anyways, and it doesn't matter, but we don't have to be. And that sort of, uh, so yeah, I think that that's, um, you know, like something like CryptoPunks. I saw this come up on Twitter fairly recently. People were talking a little bit about, uh, oh, oh, how are these stored? Oh man, it's just, is one IPFS hash, or it's not even IPFS hash. It's a hash on the contract. I don't even know what algorithm they use for it, but that, that goes to the file uh, that is the whole grid of CryptoPunks and everybody knows, you know, they go left to right, top to bottom. And then the metadata was just like on a spreadsheet. Like it was all, but like the worry, like you don't have to worry about CryptoPunks because people have spent millions of dollars on them. It's going to get added retroactively before they're gone, you know, like, and Snowfro even, this was something he looked at last year. It was, he never did it because gas costs were high and, um, but he had already like built a contract to where he was going to upload the metadata for all of the, the crypto punks. And he was going to upload, um, I can't remember exactly what his method was, but he had like, he had like some sort of creative method of sort of uploading the art to the blockchain. It was, uh, I can't remember exactly how it worked. It was sort of like a color code scheme in a grid. And then that was how you could determine what the punk was supposed to be. And like, but that's, that's the kind of shit I think that's going to happen when people care enough. You know, like that's not going to happen for some crappy NFT project that nobody gives a shit about in two years. But, um, you know, and ultimately this ties back really into what you're saying where nobody gives a crap because, you know, if they did give enough of a crap about a certain thing, then and and this did become like a real issue, you know, people would mitigate it. So I don't want to keep going down the technical rabbit hole. I do have a lot of other thoughts on that and questions associated with it. Um, I have one other, uh, but I wanted to ask you 
uh, about your thoughts on other projects and what you're looking at. The, the one last thing, uh, which I think is at least interesting, it could go both ways here. Uh, if you think about you know high-priced NFTs, and I think there's a sub-segment of the market like CryptoPunks and places like that where people are sufficiently fine with just that contract representing ownership of this thing, and it's fine. It, it, it works. Like People are already paying for it, as you said. And in the case of Artblocks, for example, uh, you would need to know how to like view the network request to actually go and download the code, which I've done for, for some of those Artblock contracts to see how they generated it. And uh, like with if it's with P3JS, sometimes it's other stuff, but you can just grab that code and use that to recreate it. But that's actually interesting to me, someone who went and then bought that actual piece of art. That's cool. It has meaning. Now I have the code. Now I have the, I have it hanging on my wall. I pr I printed one of those art blocks, and uh, so th I collected it. Like that's what I got. That was the thing that I that I paid for. And I think that that's cool and sufficient. Um, and I think there's a large enough audience of people who are becoming older and grew up being engineers and teaching themselves how to code that think that's cool as shit and are going to go and buy it. And that's like a legitimate area of the audience that may value on-chain art. They may value some of those different things. So I don't think it's going to disappear. It's just a segment of the market. Do I think the mass consumer gives a crap? No. But uh, I, do, I do think that there is a sub segment of the market which finds that valuable. And the story is also valuable as well uh, for people that can geek out on it. So yeah, anyways, I, 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 don't, I don't want to go off on that. Yeah. Yeah. We could, I mean, we could talk about that for, you know, a while. like, and, and, you know, for me personally, um, it, I guess it, it all sort of like, like I, uh, you know, it's sort of like a technical person and it's sort of like just experimenter and mad scientist type. Like, like I want that kind of stuff, but yeah, I a hundred percent recognize that for the majority of people, they don't necessarily care. And you know, I don't know if they ever will. Um, you could say that eventually maybe people have spent a lot of money on a project that has all the images hosted on a server and then it collapses and then everybody's pissed off. But my expectation is that even if there was a project like that, let's say CryptoKitties is probably a good example. It has server hosted images. You're reliant on Dapper Labs to continue hosting them. Um, if they were to fold, you know, I feel like the community would recreate, you know, with the SVGs that we have, it would already, it would be sort of saved in that sort of sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the goal with sort of these technical projects that like put a little more effort into, so you got autoglyphs, you got, you know, avastars, art blocks, squiggly chain faces, where that's never a concern. Whether you think that'll ever happen or not, now you don't even have to worry about if it happens or not because... Yeah, that was just a consideration, design consideration, like one of the principles of those projects, I guess. Which is part of the design and it makes sense. You know, that's what the NFTs are about. You're paying for a design like that. And the design is many times code. So uh, anyways, I, I wanted to ask one other thing, um, which is what uh, what projects are you interested in now outside of NFT 42 stuff? Are there any ones that you're watching like I'm I'm going to use Bored Ape as an example or anything else that, that, that you think is actually interesting. And is there anything that you're really excited about that you haven't seen yet that you think um, is, is close to happening that uh, gets you excited about the NFT space today? 
so yeah, so right now I am, um, you know, talking about bored, you know, just a little bit bored with like the NFT space even. Like I, I just haven't seen really anything that has just, uh, actually I take that back. There's one project that I think is a low profile and I actually thought was really, really cool. And this isn't like a shill at all. I haven't even bought any of them. Cause like, like I found out about it late and I always feel like at least in the earliest days, there tends to be sort of this mad rush of FOMO. Prices tend to be higher. And just as as somebody who didn't start with a lot of money, and um, I, I've always been pretty money savvy and pretty money aware in this space. So even I can like something and think it's awesome and not spend any money on it because I think, well, it's, you know. So I say that, I preface that, but I thought that the, the is it Death Beats? Deaf Beef is what it was, I think. The it was like a it's like a music project. Um, it's very under the radar. Like I really haven't seen a lot of people talk about it, but I remember I think somebody mentioned it in the Punks channel, which is where everybody does their subtle shilling because that's like there's a shitload of people in there, and that's like board apes leaked in there, um, hash masks leaked, like all this shit that people find out about and like go to and like. And you know, it just depends. You get somebody like pranked, picks it up, then that's when, and he promotes it to 50,000 people, um, you know, and then you can turn into like this FOMO run. But um, that I thought that that was a pretty cool project. It was like a, it seemed like it was something creative and innovative. And I, I really um, can just appreciate the shit out of that. I don't think that we're seeing a lot of innovation. I feel like we're seeing a lot of punk not necessarily punk clones, but punk reskins. People take this this idea of, oh, people want to collect. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna cap it at ten thousand, and I'm just gonna do some sort of generative, like assembly process, you know, and I'll store them all in IPFS or one hash for the whole thing, and and then I'll just use a server that, you know, serves them all up to OpenSea, and that's been sort of the approach for most of the year. Um, you know, hash masks sort of took that approach, but at least, like in my opinion, they, they explored the token emitting with the NCT token, you know, naming the token, which isn't like super groundbreaking or anything, but at least it was new. Um, but since then, it's mostly been, I feel like, punk reskins and punk clones and nothing that's really like this blown my mind, honestly. Yeah, I think, it, uh, you know, it goes in waves uh, and... Uh major innovation uh, doesn't come along that often. So, uh, you know, it, I, I think it's all right to be in this space. And what we have is a new wave of collectors. I consider myself part of this wave. I was at, I was maybe in February, which seems early in the world of 2021 now, but uh, in the grant, and I almost, I almost bought a crypto kitty in 2017. I failed to, I was also just tracking the ICO market at that point in time um, and, and had, bought crypto in like 2013 or something like that. Uh, unfortunately, I sold it at a 30% gain. But anyways, so the uh, uh, I do think that it, it, it takes time, you know, with, with the with the recent surge of all the crypto, it was kind of I feel like there's way less productivity and people are just getting rich basically is what is, is what's happening because everyone's <laughs> like holy shit like i just made 20 200x on my money that's ridiculous yes. um like why am i working right now <laughs> so, 
it, yeah, it's, it, that's exactly true. I mean, you know, the incentive is like, like for me, so we've been focused on, you know, with like nameless platform, but like in my, in the back of my mind, I can't help but think, you know, sometimes, and, and not that I need to do a quick money grab project and I could throw, I could throw together a quick, like uh punk reskin project pretty quickly and just like money grab. But I, but I, even though I don't want to do that or plan on doing that, I still, it's still hard to like look away and think like, fuck, like I, I could make a quick, you know, 500 grand, like doing one week of work it, because of the, the current landscape. I mean, now I think things have cooled off a little bit. So it was sort of a sweet spot for like a couple months there where, um, you know, and, and I hate to dog on like board apes because, you know, I don't, uh, like the art is pretty good and and that is the you know the aesthetic being good is important but i don't feel like anything really like groundbreaking was done there or i'm not gonna say i don't I, like nothing groundbreaking wasn't there it really was a punk reskin it had some good promotion from some people who are you know more influential in the space and that led into sort of this fomo frenzy and now you know you've got a community of people trying to build it into something um and maybe they will be able to add some neat shit to it. Although in my experience, that usually doesn't happen rhetoric. Like usually if it's not planned at the, the beginning, you tend to just have, I guess, kind of disappointment. So um, yeah, I think anyway, there's no reason to innovate because if you just can put out a pretty aesthetic, then you can make, 800 ether in a, in a week and what's the point of like really breaking ground when that's the landscape yeah and i think that that's completely fair you know as a as i own one board ape and it's the happiest and one of the happiest nfts i have i have one art block which i really like uh i don't have a crypto punk yet although that is on the list that's a target goal though now at this point based on the price but the um I, yeah i mean i think it, you are correct I think the distinction though is different there. What that what they were selling, what what got bought there was the opportunity to feel like you're part of a club, and I think what happened was you know you're, I think yourself are included in the original version of that club, which is people that stayed true to the world of NFTs and kept toughing it out in a market that was shitty, where people were like, why would I be part of this? And now a second round of people or whatever whatever wave you want to call it has come along seen it and are like, damn, I fucked up, I but I want to be part of this. And like, what, what, like, what do I need to do now? Like, where do I need to put my chips? What do I have to do? And some people can afford to go right into CryptoPunks. And then there, then there needs to be like a tier, a, a second tier, essentially, where people can afford to make an entry and feel like they're part of it. I think that, frankly, Art Blocks is one of those places. I think there's a few other places where it, they exist. I've seen some speculative ones that showed up like Apimon, and I've seen some other ones that like are very temporary in terms of spiking. Uh, and I don't know that they're all going to sustain, but what CryptoPunks also had is that community that you can't even on Discord become verified without owning one of it. So you kind of feel like an outsider in that case. So I think that's what's being sold to a lot of people is the opportunity to f a feeling of belonging. Uh, and it's not just the art. And I don't know how many people want to be part of that club, to be completely honest. <laughs> but but I, I think that there is a portion of people that wanted to, that want to be feel like they're like 
in the game and, 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 and you know, on the field and doing something. Um, and that's where I see things like Bored Ape. And I, I don't have a long list of them where it feels so, like I mean, that's actually that, occurring. And that is a good take. I mean, I will say, you know, for me, I, you know, what got me into this space, the reason that I even made it here in the first place, like there is, let's just say if I never joined Discord in, uh, you know, the middle of 2018, there's no way that I could have stuck this out and like made it here. Like, I mean, that that's just is a simple fact. Like I, and that was for me, this is exactly what you're saying. Like this sort of belonging of like, like-minded people and you know depending on how deep you dig and i was very deep like i was just infatuated with the space so i like it just started becoming where a lot of my spare time would go go to and um you know my spare money and, and again you know when i joined there weren't fifty thousand dollar nfts that were the elite nft like crypto punks there wasn't auto glyphs that were three hundred thousand dollars that were you know, like it just that shit didn't exist. But I guess in that sense, it is sort of the same. And there, out of that, there were sort of born like the people who now are kind of big players in the space. They all came from that sort of community concept. Like Crypto Kitties, you know, there was Pranked, uh, myself, um, Jim, uh, Nifty Report. I mean, there's there's like a whole shitload of people that I could name off that. Carlini, Alex. I mean, there's like, a, there's just so many people that came from there, but then the Axes, they had their own. We were sort of like rivals with them in the beginning, but they had their own group of guys who all became big players in the space as well. So, you know, that still can happen. Um, and maybe, and, you know, my initial take was that that would probably spin up around hash masks and maybe it will spin up around board apes. Uh, it just depends on. You know how much of it is just shallow like speculative i hope i can flip this yeah. for a penny or how much of it is like genuine interest and there can be there can be surprising winners i guess i'd say because you know the irony is that crypto kitties like birthed so many ogs or whatever in this space and like that was one of the weakest nfts that performed that was actually old school like in this year because it just didn't have that sort of broad appeal that say crypto punks did well and it's not it's not capped but to the point on what you were saying about like uh i the, the one downside with the discord what you were talking about people being speculative that is the problem with board apes is that there's a lot of people in that discord just tracking the the floor price of a board ape and i'm like yo didn't you just buy this to hold this for like the next decade or something like that i don't understand like if you're just trying to flip this to the, for for the next, I thought that would have flushed out immediately, like uh, very quickly. The same way that like, well, I don't even want to get into me bits, but um, the, the, <laughs> the, I'm I'm stuck holding the bag on one of yeah, yeah. <laughs> on well, one of those. Yeah, me too. I'm right there with you. <laughs> which is complete bullshit. But anyways, I I I end up reverting back to the CryptoPunks Discord with my with my uh, you know gray name or whatever I have, um, just because I'm like. Man, I, like the conversation there is just it, yes, the 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 sales go through and there's temporary commentary on it, but it, everyone's not in there looking at the. It, it's not just about the fluctuations of the market and the hope that like we all get rich because it's already like it's a known entity. We're already there. Uh, whereas with bored apes, there's a lot of people in there that I'm like, 
man, I don't want to have a conversation with you about your $500 turning into $2,000. Like, that's not interesting. Like, that's, that's not, like, so. Yeah, I agree. I mean, once it devolves into that, you know, it becomes tough. Like, I, I just don't think uh, there's a lot of value in only focusing on, like, the dollar value. Like, I mean, yeah. that just is, like, you're right, absolutely. Like, if I go to CryptoPunks, like, I'm not there to shill my NFTs. I'm not there trying to move my CryptoPunks. Or, like, I just go there to, like, just talk to some people. And I, because I know that there will be people there that know the space well, and I can have conversations about, you know, just whatever there. And um, and I don't feel like you can do that, especially if it's, like, a newer project. I feel like there's too much noise. There's too much emphasis on maybe the wrong things. and. Yeah, I mean, really, uh, with like prices around NFTs, because liquidity is so difficult in NFTs and people who are newer don't necessarily know that or haven't experienced that, it can lead to where that becomes the main emphasis because like uh, hash masks for the longest time, for example, were, and I don't spend any time in that discord, but for the longest time they were the floor was, you know, like one and a half ether or something like that. And now it's like 0.2 or something. And which I, you know, I don't care. I'm still holding like a shitload of them because I just got too lazy to list them and stuff. And like, <laughs> but like my, my guess is that over there, that that's the only emphasis like, Oh my God, the, the price floor is crashing. And now I'm guessing interest over there is suffering as a result. Whereas when everybody was making money, everybody was talking about, getting them on billboards and all kinds of just crazy shit. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see, um, see how it evolves over time. I'm hoping that like we, we need, we need devastating losses for people to be flushed out. And then, <laughs> and, 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 but I just, I don't know that that's going to happen again this time, to be honest. I mean, one can always hope cause I'll be buying more. Um, but I, I don't think that the, I, I'm not convinced that's going to happen, but who knows? Only time will tell, and um, uh, I oddly hope that that um, goes down. It's kind of you don't want to root for 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 everything to implode, but part of me kind of is, even though I have money sitting in there. I'm part of me is like, I still have money sitting on the sidelines here that I that that I want to add in. Um, anywho, <laughs> I, I yeah. No, no. I mean, for what it's worth, I uh, you know, and this is a contrarian opinion, you know, especially given how much NFTs have became like a thing that people know about now. I mean, you know, when I, like, like even a year ago, nobody hardly in the world knew what an NFT was. Like only maybe people who knew diehard NFT people like me have even heard the term and they still didn't know what it was and why it was cool or whatever. And, but, but yeah, my, my take is that actually uh, you know, it, it will. It, well, first off, it'll depend on the broader crypto market. If, let's just say that crypto is topped. If it, if it is, then I do expect the NFT market to really get squeezed and to really shake out a lot of more shallow investors. And, you know, for better or worse, it happened in CryptoKitties. It, uh, Ether went down constantly for two years. Well, I, I guess it bottomed in 2018 and then went up and then went back down. But it crushed the market over there. And that wasn't because there wasn't people interested in it. It was because your pool of people who were able to stick it out through that kind of pain just became gradually smaller. 
And that could happen this, the same way here. These markets being as illiquid as they are, I've seen, you know, I've seen some um, NFTs get some attention, get their prices pushed up 100 or 200 or 500 percent. And then the interest kind of wanes and they can lose 50 percent. And really, they could lose way more. There just is, there are, when there are no buyers, there's no point in just playing the undercut wars. It just, that's it. I mean, there's no liquidity. Yep. And that's definitely going to happen, or it's happened some. I see it with other projects, but yeah, that's just uh, sort of the name of the game. But I'm fine with that. I'm buying pieces of art. Like, I, so, so, so that's where I'm at right now. Um, so I, I appreciate you taking the time uh, today. How can people find you? Is Twitter the best way? Nate Alex NFT? Yeah, I mean, people can message me on just uh, Twitter or, or Discord or, uh, yeah, I mean, either of those. I, I literally spend so many hours a day on both of those, so. Awesome. All right, well, I appreciate you coming on today, Nate. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me, Nick. It's fun. That's it for this episode of the Nifty Nick Podcast. And if you made it this far, make sure to subscribe at thenifty.com. Thanks again.